Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Got a great one for you where I welcome Dr. Mark Borg. And 
He is a community and clinical psychologist and psychoanalyst practicing in New York City and is the co-author of Making Your Crazy Work For You, From Isolation to Self-Acceptance, Compassionate Empathy, and Love. And today, that's exactly what we talk about, the subject of his forthcoming book. And it is super interesting how we can heal ourselves and improve our relationships. And a lot of that starts with looking at our past and into our childhood, uh, all the way up to the present day. And Mark and I talk about how we can do that and why it's so important and how we can heal and have more empathy towards ourselves, And ultimately, that's going to help us have better relationships. So I'll get right into it. Mark is a super energetic guy. You guys are going to love today's show. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy today's show. Hey, Mark. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. I'm happy to be here. Today, we're going to talk about your new book, the topic of your new book. And I, I just really love it. I love the title and let's just dive right in. Making your crazy work for you. I totally identify with that because sometimes I feel a little crazy and I want to make it work for me. So I've read a little bit about the book and in the pre-show we talked a little bit. So let's dive in. What inspired you to write this book? Well, you know, it's tricky. Like I go back to 2010 and I wrote this uh, paper that wound up becoming a a chapter in a book. And the paper was called, Are You a Human Antidepressant? And at the time I thought about compulsive caretaking as being this, you know, sort of one directional thing that people were doing to each other. Um, But as I got together with my co-authors, Grant Brenner and Danny Berry, I started to think, we started to think that this compulsive caretaking thing wasn't so much something that people did to each other, but it was really something that people joined and did with each other. So we came up with this term called irrelationship, which is a psychological defense system that two people create together to defend themselves against, you know, the real threats of love, that being intimacy, empathy, vulnerability, and emotional investment. So we thought, okay, cool. So we wrote a book called Irrelationship, and it answered a lot of questions about what this co-created psychological defense system is and how people build it and what they do and what it does. And we talked about it as being epidemic. And then we wrote a book called Relationship Sanity, which really uh, was the treatment, the cure, we think, uh, for irrelationship, which, of course, if irrelationship is a co-created psychological defense system, then relationship sanity as its answer is a co-created psychological solution to the problem of your relationship, which is being cut off from, you know, these kinds of ways of expressing love. I know I'm saying a lot, but I'll just tell you what inspired this book though, was that when we wrote those two books, we really wrote them for couples. We wrote them for people in relationships, people who were starting relationships, long-term relationships. And we kept getting all these, all these messages from readers saying, hey, 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 what about me? What if I'm not in a relationship? What if it's just me against the world? What if I, you know, am experienced the dynamics of your relationship, but I'm not yet in a relationship or I'm between relationships? And so we said, you know what? We, we, we better take that question seriously. And so we spent the last few years 
breaking out of our model because our model was your relationship is, was, will always be something that happens between people. But when we started really thinking about what goes on, we also thought that there are splits in a self, that there are places and ways that a human being relates to him or herself internally that are like having various relationships with various parts of ourselves. We start thinking, okay, I think we can start to conceptualize a relationship as something that happens inside the individual and something that when it happens inside the individual is horrifically isolating and isolation and the breakout of isolation is really what this book is all about because isolation is what we think of as being really, truly crazy. Let's talk a little bit about our relationships with ourselves, how we bring that into other relationships and how you define crazy. So maybe let's start with how you define crazy. So we define crazy as being a kind of dysfunctional self-relatedness. We, we even go so far these days as to call it a self-irrelationship. And it's really a fragmentation of our identity that results in, a, in a, a really difficult, if not impossible, time connecting with other people that starts with being disconnected from ourselves. Do we really connect this irrelationship, uh, psychological defense system or dynamic with caretaking? So what we see is that when a child is raised in a caretaking environment where the child's needs are not met, this is traumatizing. And so what happens, because the child cannot deal with this absence of care, the child from a very early age starts to turn the tables and come up with routines to caretake the caretaker, whatever the primary caregiver is. But what that does is it creates this very essential distrust in the environment. And the environment from a very, very early stage of our life is other people, the primary caregivers and then caregivers going forward. So what happens in this dynamic is a human being, which is quite unnatural, begins to cut her and himself off from other people. They begin to use this caretaking as a way of giving care in one direction. What I like to try to think of when I try to explain this to people is I I say, think of a fire hose, right? Think of a fire hose. It's just spraying in one direction. And think of that as care. We're developing a way of caring for the environment, say our mother, our father, in, in such an extreme way that the care itself going in that one direction does not allow anybody else's care to get in. So here I am in this process of ironically trying to care, trying to create a safe environment for myself. And in doing so, cutting myself off from anybody, from allowing anybody to contribute to me in any kind of meaningful way. And that is an isolated state. At the core of your relationship, whether it's self or the kind of your relationship we were writing about originally, is isolation. And that kind of cutoff state is what we think of as crazy because we really believe that human beings completely and totally needy. We need each other. We rely on each other for psychological health and well-being. What does that look like? Maybe some real world examples of someone that is caring for their environment with that that fire hose metaphor and they're not able to receive because they're so busy trying to caretake the caretaker. That's a really great question because we actually have developed a model that we call grafts, G-R-A-F-T-S. And these are sort of primary ways that children from very early ages start to develop what we call song and dance routines, which are these ways of, of caring, these ways of sort of blasting care 
out into the environment. And so G is good. You know, like it just starts with, hey, how better to make my parent happy? How better to sort of care for my parent than to just be good, you know, to be constantly good. Um, so, you know, and we think of, uh, so there's a whole variety of these kind of ways. There's there's good, there's right, you know, we can be right. We can be, uh, the one that I think is the killer is the A, which is absent. Um, then there's F, which is funny. That's a pretty typical routine. There's T, which we're tense all the time. We're always sort of preparing ourselves for the next uh, shoe to drop. But in doing so, we sort of over-prepare and we care for other people in this very, very intense state of readiness. And then S is another very, very typical one is we are just very, very smart. So all of these ways are ways that a parent can wind up feeling very good about themselves, right? Oh, look at this kid. This kid is so good. Look at this kid. This kid is is right. This kid has become extremely studious. Of course, who doesn't want a, a funny kid? But I think the real killer is the A, because I think that ironically, a lot of kids wind up taking care of their parents by being absent, by not having very many needs, which develops, of course, into a kind of self-sufficiency so this, this care, you almost want to put it in air quotes because some of these are so subtle, we don't even recognize it. Of course, there are caretakers who go out and literally care for other people. I mean, they literally go out and they, they're they the, the kid on the on the playground, maybe who's the school psychologist, right? All the kids come to them with the problem. There are, there's the kid who, you know, looks out for the other, for the kids who are being uh, bullied, you know? So there are these more dramatic examples of care. But I think a lot of the ones that wind up becoming your relationship and self your relationship and driving us crazy are the ones that are so quiet and so well-regarded in our society that we don't even know we've disappeared. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. If you're tuning into today's show, you're probably aware that mental health and relationship challenges are a part of life, but they don't have to define you and you're not alone. If you've ever wished that you could join a conversation with an expert and call into a show in a similar vein as relationship advice, here's an opportunity for you. If you're navigating something messy, call the Dr. John Deloney show. His show recently hit top five of all podcasts on Apple Podcasts and for a good reason. With a PhD in counseling and two decades of experience sitting with people, Dr. Deloney brings practical advice on how to connect with others, face depression, overcome anxiety, and find true wellness. This caller-driven show tackles real-life issues from relationships to emotional well-being. Dr. Deloney walks alongside people just like you as they navigate tough decisions. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney Show is here for you. Send your questions, leave a voicemail at 844-693-3291 or email askjohn at ramseysolutions.com. They want to talk to you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney Show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on our website. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. 
And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. They've remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein and fiber. I highly recommend that you give their bread a try. They're giving Relationship Advice listeners 10% off when you visit Hero. Dot co and use the code I do at checkout. I was so excited to discover Hero Bread. It's truly amazing, and they've made a product that is tasty and soft while having zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and high in fiber. I'm not gonna lie. Their white bread is so good, and it makes the best tomato and mozzarella sandwich. Last week, Stella and I were back in Florida visiting our family, and we all walked to the lake, and the only bread we had in the house was Hero Bread. So we grabbed a slice, walked to the lake, and by the time we got there, Stella had eaten the whole piece of bread and, of course, wanted more. So the poor ducks didn't get any Hero Bread, but Stella did. Since I had cut out bread for a while, every time I ate low-quality bread, my body felt bad. It felt bloated and I didn't feel great. But with Hero Bread, I feel good after eating it, which makes my life so much easier because now I can go back to my easy grab and go sandwiches when I'm on the run. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. That's I do at H E R O dot C O. I love the acronym GRAFTS. And as you're going through it, I'm totally relating to all of these things, thinking about my childhood, but thinking about how I show up today. So all of these things being good, right, funny, tense, smart, absent, self-sufficiency, are those mechanisms to to earn love of our caretaker? And then do we bring that into our romantic relationships? Oh, yeah, you're way ahead of the game, right? Exactly. Because see, that's, I love the whole, the word you use was earn, right? So, yeah, we have this kind of delusion that if I, it's so great, because I think you've hit that, that mechanism that really like makes the whole thing go, which is this fantasy that if I take care of you, that you'll be able to function effectively and then you'll take care of me, right? Then we're like back on the rails and it's a total, total delusion, right? Because I'm not actually really accepting your care. I'm just pushing and pushing and acting and performing is the word we use um, in such a way as to give us this, give myself the delusion that you're actually operating effectively as a caretaker. Because if you think about what a kid is, you know, a kid is a system that absolutely and totally and wholly relies on its environment, i.e. parent initially. So, so yeah, I mean that, and, and then you bring that, see, you bring that into love as an adult, you bring that into dating as a teenager or a person in your twenties, suddenly you're attracting people who, who, who dig your routine, right. Who are responding to your routine. And again, it kind of, you're letting them off the hook. You're, you're not allowing them to care for you, but we also have this other component, not so much. Um, it, it is in this self relationship, but it's internal, but in the external relationship, there's a, there's, there's, there's two major components. One is the performer who's doing what we're talking about, right? Doing the overt caretaking. But we also talk about another person who attaches to the performer. And we call that, you know, go figure, the audience. 
And that's a person who cares for the performer by acting as if the care that they're being offered is actually effective. Not the mouthful, but that that's that's the performer and the audience together to create this system where nobody's actually caring for anybody else. Both people are performing like like the fire hose, but they're both operating in a way that doesn't allow any of the care or love or affection that the other person has to offer get in. So much in here. I have so many questions I know, I know, at, I know, in I different know, angles. I, I love it. So, <laughs> so let me ask you because it seems like. We have this performer and audience interaction and we're being good. We're being funny to, quote, earn the love of our partner. But that feels good, right? So I guess could you tell me why that is not the most healthy dynamic? And then we'll talk about how we can, title of your book, make this crazy work for us. Okay. So the the thing about it is, is that, This is two people giving and giving and giving and giving and giving in a way so as to not allow anything that the other person has to offer get in. So in a funny way, it's like two walls scraping up against each other, right? Like nothing actually gets in because the scariest parts of love are things that actually require us to take in, to receive, to take in, and really legitimately make use of what the other person has to offer. And those four things are... Intimacy, empathy, vulnerability, and emotional investment. When you're just giving and giving and giving and giving, you can't co-create those four things. In fact, giving in that way, ironically, actually psychologically defends you against creating, taking in, making use of, and co-creating an environment that is receptive, responsive to those four absolutely essential components of, of real love. Love, love in this sense being, I think, also kind of taking in and allowing yourself to be transformed by the relationship itself. So we even think about love or relationship as there's you, there's me, and then there's we, right? There's this third entity that is our relationship. Your relationship absolutely blocks. It defends against the creation of that third entity. So there is no we. There's you and there's me both giving and giving and giving and giving, but never actually connecting. So it seems like the graphs acronym, those mechanisms are kind of defense mechanisms to, to stay a bit surface level and not dive into the intimacy and the vulnerability. Yes. That's, that's really the long term of what this is. That's what it, the, 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 the long term. Cause again, in the beginning, what these graphs things do is they, attr- they allow us to get into interactions with our environment. I, parents that actually allows us to go through the routine, the the motions, the song and dance routine, we call it, of actually being connected, of actually being in a caretaking system. But what's really going on is we're creating a one directional care system that, that, that protects us from ever dropping our guard and allowing us to take yet another risk and allowing the, the environment, the world, other people to take care of us. So how do we move from that, pattern of, you know, surface level, the graphs acronym into more vulnerability and intimacy and in a deeper level of connection? First of all, I think, you know, like, like in so many other, you know, programs that deal like a 12 step program, right? 12 step programs have this kind of way of looking at what goes on uh, in a person in terms of their behavior, say somebody's drinking and they wind up in jail or they wind up in a psychiatric hospital, they wind up in uh, broken marriages, but they say like, well, that 
And, you know, here in New York, $2.75 gets you on the subway. What really is required for dramatic change is what they call a bottom, right? Like somehow or other, something has to break through. That's why this crazy is so crucial, because the crazy in our model is isolation. And isolation, if you really strip our, if we strip ourselves of, of psychological defense, it is intolerable. It is absolutely intolerable. But all of these routines, all of these behaviors, what is a, an irrelationship is an acting out of this caretaking dynamic, but it's really an acting out of a previous trauma because a child cannot tolerate an absence of care. So this is acting out. And what happens, see, the funny thing about acting out is acting out doesn't really get rid of emotion. What it does is it allows the emotion, let's say in this case, uh, the trauma and the terror of being isolated in a parental child relationship. And so when we act out, we act out in such a way that our behavior grafts, you know, say being good, it, what it does is it, it allows that the behavior allows the emotion to bypass awareness. And so what really happens is that, that it's the, the behavior allows the emotion to bypass awareness, but it doesn't get rid of the emotion. That's the crucial part. Acting out only gets rid of the awareness of the emotion, but the emotion still drives the process. So coming back to the answer to your question is the first and most crucial moment in actually breaking out of your relationship, self-fear relationship as well, is understand, not understanding, experiencing crazy. But am I, am I, is, it, is it coming clear what I'm saying that, that, that really crazy is an awareness of the isolated state, crazy is accessing that isolated state that had to get covered up by all this behavior that then cuts us off from not only other people, but it really cuts us off from those lost parts of ourselves that we psychoanalysts call um, dissociated self-states. Yes, it makes sense, but I want to dive into it a little bit. So I'm totally relating to this need or this programming to need to be good and right, funny in order to get love. And then, so what I'm hearing you say is that recognizing this is important and realizing that, you know, if you take that away, we're in relationship with ourself and that we don't need to be good and right and funny, smart to receive love. And that's kind of a recognition we want to get to? Absolutely. And I would say the, 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 the one piece that I would put in certain into what you just said is, yeah, we, we recognize that need um, uh, because we hit that spot, you know, because maybe uh, finally we get into some kind of situation where being good doesn't work or we get into some situation where being funny, you know, it, 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 it it backfires and maybe instead of like being this like wonderful warm thing between us, like suddenly we're the butt of a joke or, you know, something painful happens to tell us that this routine really is something that it, that is making us a target. It is actually putting us in this really uh, painful place. And so we need that recognition, recognition to be able to say, Oh my God, I've been driven by pain. I'm not driven by what a wonderful person I am. I'm not driven by how all these people think that I'm the superhero and I'm a rescuer and I'm a lifeguard and I'm a, I'm a life coach and I'm a psychotherapist and I'm a, you know, wherever a parent, you know, wherever I go, really what I am is I'm somebody who acts and acts and acts and acts out 
to get rid of this horrible trauma of, of loneliness that is at the center of all my behavior. And that's a crucial step. I mean, that's a, that's a step that who wouldn't, you know, the problem, of course, is that a lot of us experience that terrible sense of isolation. And all we want to do is get back in the routine because it sucks at first. It's horrible, right? And so I think you've got to grab hold of that moment of, we call it discovery. It's also called a bottom, you know, in the 12-step parlance to say, I've got to hold on to this. I can't just get rid of this because if I get rid of it, all I'm doing is covering it up. And back to the old routine and back to the, you know, the, the life sentence of solitary confinement. That makes a lot of sense. So how do we move towards a place of that recognition, but that we're not just covering it up and that we can relate with ourselves and others in a more healthy way? Well, we think of it as being a process of, as you know, it starts out with discovery and the next process is repair. And we are very big on this developmental theory developed by a guy named Edward Tronick, um, which is called rupture and repair. And, and we really, really encourage people to take every single one of these moments of sort of wiping out into this isolated, painful state as a, as a moment to actually work toward allowing other people to connect with us, allowing other people to contribute to whatever the solution is. Of course, now we're talking about self-ear relationships. So what we're talking about when somebody discovers this part of themselves, when somebody is able to kind of access that old sense of trauma and pain and isolation, we really ask them to start to operate in a way to be compassionate toward themselves, to allow themselves to, to, to almost to, to visualize these lost parts of themselves. And instead of hitting the eject or button or trying to amputate them, to start to welcome them back into our lives, to start to recognize that these are essential parts of, of me. Because one of the earlier um, descriptions of dissociation which is this incredibly intense psychological defense, which cuts us off from the awareness of the emotion that goes with an experience. It was actually originally referred to as not dash me. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to, through, through our book, we are actually trying to help people create a process of welcoming back those lost me's, those lost bits and pieces of self-experiences that we amputated or, 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 or got rid of because they were just too painful. They were painful. Although, you know, again, back to what dissociation is, it's not actually getting rid of the feeling or the experience. It's getting rid of the awareness of the experience. And so the experience, of course, still has incredibly, incredible influence on guiding and directing our life. So someone listening might be identifying as I am with you know, this need to be good and right to get love. So it, I just want to break this down. So they're listening, also speaking for myself, it, it's that recognition and then using that rupture and repair of recognizing the pain state and then going, okay, this is a moment that I can be compassionate to myself and say, hey, I don't need to be good in order to be loved or I'm the butt of this joke and, and that feels painful, but that's okay. I'm enough. Is that kind of the dialogue and the exercise we want to be going to repair? I, yeah, I, I think that those are absolutely the right kinds of self-statements that we need to make for ourselves because they're also statements of, of what we call, and, and we didn't make this up, but we make use of compassionate empathy. You know, as, as, as kind of ironic as it might sound, you know, that we are asking ourselves to be compassionate in a very active state. 
with those lost parts of ourselves. We're asking, we're, we, we have this kind of terminology, at least in my psychoanalytic school of thinking, uh, called multiple self-state. And we have this kind of theory that there are as many different kind of experiences of myself as there are significant relationships in my life, you know, relationships that have had profound effect on the development of my, my sense of self, my overall, my integrated sense of self. And so in this, in this process, through this book, we're asking people to look back at these various experiences of lost selves, to go back to those selves and, 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 and have compassionate empathy and to welcome them, to invite them and then welcome them back into our living conscious experience so that we can become a more fully integrated you know, version of ourselves. As you're describing that, and obviously there's a lot there, but I'm thinking of, are you familiar with, I believe it's internal family systems? Yes, yes. Yeah, and it seems like a very similar thing, and is it not? Yeah, no, it, it is, absolutely, because I think some of the, you know, if you think about the kind of trees that some of these theories develop from, there are, there are, there are, there's a lot of cross-pollination, you know, going back to theorists like uh, um, Perry Stack Sullivan and people like Eric Fromm and these people that were writing back in the 40s and 50s who were really trying to have a different understanding of trauma. They were trying to get at trauma as being related to things that were actually occurring in our lives, in the environment, because so much of um, at least psychoanalytic theory up until that time had been all about, you know, internalization of early, uh, you know, psychic environment, et cetera, which we still think is very, very valid. But some of these theories like, like, you know, that, that theory and, and interpersonal psychoanalysis and now relational psychoanalysis are, are asking us to, to really um, think about the actual internalization of the family, of the environment, in terms of the makeup of a of a self, you know, of, of, a, of a whole self. I think, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Money is one of the biggest stressors in relationships. While worrying about it doesn't help a ton, Earnin actually does. Our sponsor, Earnin, is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Many couples end up fighting about finances, especially when surprise costs arise. Earnin allows you to seamlessly deal with that unexpected trip to the vet or the last minute gift for loved ones without any stress, letting you and your partner focus on what really matters. Earnin is helping millions of Americans to feel self-sufficient and to worry and fight less about money. All of this without debt trap, mandatory fees, or credit checks. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download Earnin app, type in relationship advice under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. That's relationship advice under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. When you work full-time, have kids, and run a podcast, it's hard to make time for a multiple-step skincare protocol. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. Let me repeat it. They make it easy 
No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase when using the code I do when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck and the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around. It's all thanks to OneSkin's revolutionary OS-01 peptide, the first ingredient proven to deactivate aging cells responsible for lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. Unlike traditional skincare products that only mask symptoms, OneSkin pioneered a new approach integrating tissue engineering and cutting-edge science to enhance skin biology for lasting resilience against aging. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using the code IDO at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code IDO. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support your show and tell them we sent you. Yeah, it's such a valuable recognition and it's really, it's a life's work to, to go back into those past selves and, and heal it. And, and, and the little bit I've gone into it for myself, it's been very healing and there's all kinds of visualization and processes to do that. Can you give us like a quick, maybe exercise? I, I know that we can't cover it in depth on, on just a podcast, but the steps we can take to, to heal those past identities. Well, we actually do have a series of exercises at the end of each one of our chapters. We can, we have this whole process that we, we have another acronym called dream and dream is discovery repair, which is really kind of an interactive repair. It's like joining original in the original books. It was actually about literally joining with other people looking at ways that the relationships that we have have gone off the rails and then, you know, seeing whether or not we can work together to interactively repair. We've used that to, we, we, we have this thing that we call a, a model, an exercise that we call the 40-20-40. And the 40-20-40 uh, is this exercise where we're looking at contributions that each person makes to a relationship. When we're asking, say, the, 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 the compulsive caregiver, of course, is giving at like 90 95 and leaving like, you know, 2% contribution from anybody else, right? So we're asking people to think about if you're the compulsive caregiver, at least the overt one, say the performer, we're asking you to back off, like go from, go from 90, go back to say 60. And then we're asking the person who's always been audience, the one who is reluctantly receiving anything that the other person has to give and not giving much at all to go from like 10% contribution to say 40, right? So one person backs off, it goes forward to 40, the other person backs off to 60, and then we ask them to think about this 20% in the middle. And what we're talking about in terms of percentage, we're talking about contributions. So when it comes to self-relationship, we're asking for the person to visualize these various selves, these self-states, these places that have been dissociated, amputated because they were 
discarded because perhaps they were so poorly treated. You know, if you're poorly treated, if you're not cared for in your early environment, what do you think? You think, well, I wasn't cared for because I wasn't worth caring for, right? I I didn't earn the care. So we're asking people to visualize these various parts of ourselves and to go back and allow those parts of ourselves to contribute legitimately to our current state of being. You know, I know, I know it's, it's, it's a little kind of uh, sophisticated and the numbers obviously are tricky because, you know, how do you, how do you actually get those percentages? But that's what, that, this is the kind of visualization that we're offering in our book. To, to literally undergo these exercises to welcome back these lost parts of ourselves. And the thing is, as you're reading our book, we have like tons and tons of examples of ways in which these kind of scenarios and these kind of irrelationship dynamics play out in each person that we're presenting. And so we give a lot of examples of how you might visualize, of how you might actually allow yourself to take in more from these parts of yourself that have been lost. What I'm hearing you say with the the exercise of backing off as a performer and then the audience maybe increasing the engagement is a way to f- heal through relationship, to heal this relationship with ourself that I'm just picturing doing this. If, if I feel like I have to perform and, and be good, being like, hey – you know, consciously going like, I'm okay. I'm enough. I don't need to always be funny. And I'm not saying I'm that funny, but try to be funny. (laughs) Right. In order to get love. And, and then if my partner is there, it it can create like a safe space. If we talk about this in order to, to facilitate the healing. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I like what you said earlier, because you were saying like, let's, let's help the audience visualize. Let's think about ourselves as a small child. Let's, I, I often ask my clients in, in psychotherapy who are starting to deal with trauma and they have this kind of disparaging, devaluing uh, kind of uh, perspective on this part of themselves, this, this earlier version that got you know, hurt and was, you know, whatever. Sometimes they'll disparage themselves and say like, oh, I can't believe I couldn't stand up for myself. I can't believe I was so scared. I can't believe that I let that person get the better of me. I'm like, you know what? You need to go to a playground this afternoon and you need to go and you need to look at what a three-year-old kid looks like. You need to find out what an eight-year-old kid looks like. You need to know who it is that you're having this wild expectation should have been, you know, standing up for themselves against their parental, hostile parental environment. Like we've got to go back. We've got to, we've got to make use of this compassionate empathy for ourselves or we're lost, right? Because the second we start devaluing ourselves, the second we start uh, uh, disparaging those parts of ourselves, we're right back to your relationship. We're right back to, you know, bulwarking ourselves to our lives in a way that we don't even realize we're not allowing the world to contribute to us. I love that example of going to a playground and looking at an eight-year-old. Maybe a listener doesn't have kids. I have a six-year-old, so I could look at her and, and go back and say, if I have something I'm trying to process then and have compassion towards myself as a six-year-old. But that visualization is so powerful. And obviously there's a lot in here. I'm excited to read your book, but for people wanting to dive into this, I highly encourage you to do that. And you could even, it doesn't need to be super sophisticated. Obviously I'm 
really interested in in the nuances of these exercises. But like you said, go to a playground, look at a, an eight year old, or just notice one the next time they walk by, and be like, "Yeah, that was me." And yeah. I'm being so hard on that version of myself, and it, it kind of brings things into perspective. That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, I've had people come back to my office crying, going, oh my God, I can't, you know, I can't believe that that was me. I can't believe. And you know, it's interesting. You and I have kids, right? You know, I have a 10 year old and I, and I also have a 14 year old and, um, you know, and I've seen obviously, I've been, you know, especially in the last couple of years, I have been very, very connected to these people, you know, who've been conducting school in this New York city apartment, blah, 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 you know, and like all of these examples of like, oh my God, that kid needs so much love. That kid needs so much care. You know, we got interrupted. I can say, you know, this, this uh, podcast got interrupted, what, 15 minutes ago. And my kid was so scared and so disappointed because I made it so clear that this was so important. And the thing that I wanted to rush to the door and say to this kid was, it's okay. It's okay. You know, my kid was crying and my kid with bags all over the hallway and like just so, like so upset about you know bumming my you know interrupting my thing and I just I dashed to let that kid know like no it's okay like I'm yeah I asked you to like not interrupt this thing you know this thing is important to me but you know what you are more important to me I love you and I can't wait to get done with this so I can go and console you you know what I mean? I mean, and, and that's a, a, a real life example that happened during this interview, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, oh, so sorry. Oh, my, you were so cool about it. Thank you. And of course, we'll edit it out, whatever. But, you know, I mean, to have an example of even thinking about how do we accept that? How do we access, accept and make use of that kind of care for ourselves? Are there parts of ourselves that we can re-engage and go like, hey, man, you messed up. Hey, man, you know, I told you not to do this and you did it. Yeah, I'm not happy about it, but I love you. I love you. I love you. It's so important. And and I, I love the real time example that we had. And, and I <laughs> yeah. wanted and, and you already kind of answered my question, because as a parent, I'm thinking about ways that I can make my daughter feel good enough, you know, and, and feel like she doesn't need to be smart or funny or good in order to get love. And I think you just gave a great example of how to do that as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. And we have some examples in the book. I mean, one is called trophy kid. Another, I think is called starter kid. You know, these kids that like take on these roles, like, Oh, I'm your trophy kid. Oh, I'm like getting straight A's or I'm getting, I'm the super soccer star. Again, not, look, not that there's anything wrong with our kids being stellar out there in the real world. That's great. That's wonderful. It's just like the driven stellar, right? The driven, they're like, I am being good to make up for something, you know, totally messed up in my family. Family, Early family therapists actually called that identified patient, you know, where a kid can manifest certain behaviors to distract from real problems going on in the marriage or in the family. Well, Mark, there's just so much to talk about. I think we covered a lot and I'm excited to dive into your book and and really get these exercises and put them to practice. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and if there's anything you want to leave them with, and then we'll say goodbye. Um, you know, uh, you can find me. Uh, my my <laughs> I'm Mark B. Borg Jr. I have a couple of po- uh, blogs on uh, Psychology Today, Irrelationship and Relationship Sanity. You, if you want to contact me directly, you can just, you know, uh, go to my psychology today 
a webpage. Uh, and yeah, I mean, what can I say? All I can say really is, you know, like take in the love. You know, we all think that we're really out there giving and giving and giving and that's generosity. But if we don't take what other people have to offer, unfortunately, the message we're sending is they don't have anything good to give. We need to let the world know it's got good stuff to offer us. So we need to take it in. And after this, I'm going to go run and let that kid know that I'm crazy about that kid. I love that kid. (laughs) I will let you get to it, Mark. And thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, And while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge, We really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners if you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. We've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.